1: absolutely phenomenal. Uh, So, I mean, this is the kind of thing that you want to turn
0: to Get Your Guide for. Whatever you're into, you'll find an experience you love. Discover and book your next unforgettable travel experience at GetYourGuide.com.
2: BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.
0: Today's episode is brought to you by Alienware. During Dell Tech Fest, score game-changing innovations with limited-time deals on select Next Gen Alienware Gaming Tech.
2: Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind from
3: HowStuffWorks.com.
1: Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind. My name is Robert Lamb.
3: And
4: my name is Scream Queen Julie Douglas.
1: <laughs> are yeah. you Are you really a Scream Queen? No. Okay. I'm not much of a
4: screamer, I have to say.
1: When, when was the last time you screamed?
4: Um, I think it was out of frustration and I know I was alone. Okay. Because I'm not like, hey, let's let's emote publicly. That's not my thing. Yeah. You?
1: The last, it was just a few days ago, I was, um, I, I went outside, it was like first thing in the morning, I, yeah, I shut off the alarm system, and I'd, uh, I'd walked outside to, I don't know, I was checking the temperature or doing some of the garbage cans, I don't know, but I go outside and there's a cicada. Uh, that I, Right outside. And I, I step through the door and the cicadas just and takes off. And it just scares the crap out of me. And I go, ah! And just like scream full volume.
4: Ah, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I don't even think that when I'm scared, I so much, you know, like if, if someone comes around the corner, I might jump a bit. As you all can tell, we're going to talk about screams today. Yes. The Science of Screaming.
1: Yeah, what Why is it all even- about? Because, like, in both of these cases, okay, I screamed when there was a cicada. Like, what was I doing? Was I scaring the cicada away? Was I warning people that hey, there are cicadas around and they might be startling? Were you, um, you know, trying to intimidate some paperwork or, or you know, or some <laughs> some house cleaning? Like, what was what was that about? Why do we do these things that we do? And uh, fortunately, uh, we live in a world of science, and uh, and uh, these questions are being addressed.
4: Yeah, and, and and we were thinking about this um, sort of like from nuts to soup. Like when you take this first breath in the world, the first thing that you do is you scream, right? Yeah.
1: and that's really the great place to, to, to start off because, you know, as a human gets older, you end up, you know, you get language, you get reason, you get culture, you get all of these various things that just just murk up the waters of uh, of why we do the things we do. But you start off with right. the baby, and it's the first thing it's doing. It passes through the vaginal canal, gets some nice bacteria on it, and then just starts screaming <laughs> its head off.
4: Right, because it's transitioning from um, a respiratory system that had fluid to air. Right. Yeah. So that's the first thing that you do is you scream like mad. Uh, but then, as you say, it gets a little bit more complex. We scream because we're frightened, we're frustrated, we're angry, we're aroused, or we're in pain, <laughs> or we, you know, it's it's a purely cathartic thing scream because they're aroused? Apparently. Okay. Yes.
1: That's what the literature says. Um, But back to babies. Before (laughs) before we get into infant screaming anymore, let's actually listen to a little clip because, I mean, you you might be listening to a baby scream right now. And if so, great, because you're already immersed in the subject matter. But if not, uh, we just need to remind everyone because there's nothing else like it. So that the sound of a baby crying—it's uh, if, if you're not at all connected to a situation, you're like in an airplane or something, then it's just really annoying. But if you're at all connected to the situation, whether you're, it's your friend's baby, your baby, uh, your babysitting or whatever, then it just it, it like you, you're just like I must help this creature. It is it wants something really bad, or it does not want something really bad. What can I do to try and make things better? Because it's just. It, the the infant, infant screams in a way that like that humans rarely do. Like they're just putting everything into it. Like it's like a full body exercise in disapproval or want.
4: <laughs> and it is interesting because uh, the baby's screams cries have been analyzed over and over again, and what they find is that there are particular screams. There are screams for for food, for for boredom, for wanting to be held. Um, and, in fact, lactating women who hear the screams of an infant that are particular to a scream mm-hmm. for I'm hungry will begin lactating, whether or not it's your baby. Huh. Um,
1: now, uh, as a mom, did, were you able to determine, like, what one sc- scream meant? Uh, yeah,
4: eventually yeah. I could. I mean, obviously, the I don't know how long it took, but the first, you know, couple weeks out of the gate, I had no idea what my mm-hmm. daughter wanted. I was Plus, I was just, like, tired. What do you want? Um, But what what has been discovered lately, which I think is really interesting, is that uh, fetuses, although we know they can recognize music and voices within the womb, that they can actually mimic speech patterns, and they do this through their screams. Uh, Dr. Kathleen Wormecki of the University of Wurzburg, Germany, and colleagues studied the patterns of baby cries in the first five days of life. Mm-hmm. They recorded the screams. How exciting is this? <laughs> Going through their data, right? Oh. Uh, that, that's got to be headache-inducing. They recorded the screams of 30 German and 30 French babies, and they found that the screams of the five-day-old French babies had a distinct Gallic twang. Nice. And the Germans' uh, babies had a Teutonic quality to their yells.
1: Oh the Teutonic screams of the uh, infant German. That's yeah, and awesome. I just—I
4: keep thinking of like Arnold Schwarzenegger somehow. somehow. Oh. Yeah. That's thing
1: that you <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I can't even replicate it, but. Uh, I yeah.
4: think that was that's a good uh, attempt there.
1: No, wait. Actually, let's let 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 me find a clip of that real quick. See, there you go.
4: All right, okay, not bad.
1: That was either Arnold or a German infant. I'll let you decide.
4: Um, And then in addition to the screaming babies, it turns out that children in their screams are also telling a story. Um, Children who were given onesies with built-in microphones were recorded during their tantrums. And so researchers had hours and hours of data which bore out this pattern during a, a tantrum and it turns out that uh, kids make this whimpering, sad s- noise the entire time that they're going through a tantrum. But mm-hmm. then they have these spikes of screaming and yelling. It used to be that, oh, it's just anger at the beginning and sadness at the end. That's mm-hmm. what, what psychologists thought. thought. Um, but it turns out that these two emotions are really intermingled the whole time. And this is an interesting thing. During these peaks of anger, these this yelling, when you want to reach out to the child and say, "What's wrong? How can I help you?" That additional sort of stimuli, or, or stimulus, would actually incite the child to scream even more.
1: Huh. So they're really, they're too angry to deal with at that point.
4: Yeah, which I think is telling the story of of what is at the um, at the bottom of at least one type of scream, the mm-hmm. frustration scream sadness and anger is that maybe it has tied into this idea that we're overstimulated in life hmm. and you reach this breaking point
1: where you just have to scream yeah yeah i think i think everyone's felt that way at one point or another even if you you're not like completely aware of it like what you really need is a really good scream
4: i have yeah. certainly like a, have you ever been faced with a choice uh, or a situation that is so frustrating fr- so frustrating or so uh, anger-filled, mm-hmm. and you're just sitting there, and you're trying to communicate with another person about it, Yeah, and it seems like you have to make a choice at that moment, and you just want to go, ah! <laughs> and you're trying not to, right?
1: Because
4: mm-hmm. as we get older, we try to to uh, keep this under wraps.
1: All right, we're going to move on from infant screams now, and we're going to discuss uh, more grown-up screams. Uh, so for this, I'm going to actually let's throw out another couple of sound bites here. Uh, this first one... Uh, is a scream queen. Sc- uh, scream. Scream queens. For anyone who's not familiar with the term, uh, were of course uh, and are women in horror movies whose primary acting role is to <laughs> scream and react in terror to um, monsters or mass men coming after them to kill them. Uh, it's a uh, and there's a there's a whole lot of of. Uh, of, of cultural, psychological matter to discuss there. But, uh, but at the heart of it, you have women whose, like, whole thing was like, alright, we can get you on screen, and we just need you to just scream your head off. And, and, and not, it's not only just making the sound, but the face, and just, it's like a, there's a purity to it, though. Because uh, in in many cases, you, I mean, you'll find movies where like the woman is screaming no, no, or or they'll be screaming about something. But in many cases, it is just a primal scream of just ah, just full on terror. So
4: yeah. think of Janet Lee in in the uh, Psycho shower exactly. curtain scene.
1: Yeah, or um, Jamie Lee Curtis was uh, you know started off her career as, as a scream queen. In so, Halloween, right? Yeah, yeah, and and a number of other little films after that. But uh, but this is one of my favorites. This is Marilyn Burns as Sally Hardesty in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the original
5: 1974. Hey, Grandpa! We're gonna let you have next for- So.
1: In, the, in that clip, uh, they're they're also doing some stuff with the sound uh, effects. They're they're throwing in some you know that mechanical kind of chainsaw noise and really messing with you on a on a sonic level as well. But but she's also just doing a fabulous scream. And if you've ever seen the movie, she has the the facials to to match it. It's just you get this really authentic sense of so here is somebody that is just screaming at the they're at the the edge of sanity with terror.
4: And they should be because yes. I mean she's sitting at that table and she's about to get well. It, what seems like she's about to get killed right then. There's mm-hmm. awful thing, visual things going on. And
1: the, the method aspect of that scene, uh, the, the, as, as I understand it, is that that was also a really long, really hot shoot and so at the end of it, everybody was just worn out. So there's a certain amount of her screaming in that scene that is probably just her just being completely done with this uh, this horror movie shoot for the day.
4: Well, and I like the clip that you sent me because it's got Swedish subtitles, which is very odd to look <laughs> at when you're hearing these the Texas heavy accents. Yeah. All right, girl, we're going to kill you. <laughs>
1: Yeah. yeah but there are no, there are no subtitles for the scream because that's universal. And exactly. that's what we're really discussing next is you know we've discussed like the, in the past like the disgust face that people mm-hmm. make that that's universal that that speaks to anyone no matter if you know you could be in New York City or um, just outstanding in the middle of nowhere in Mongolia. and if someone makes a disgust face, you're going to think, oh my goodness, do I goodness, do, do I smell weird? am I is there something on my face? you understand what they're emoting and likewise the scream is pretty universal yeah if someone is screaming about something you were going to look around like whoa what's happening is this person crazy are they being assaulted should i help should i pretend should i be awful and pretend that i'm not noticing them screaming but either way it's something that you you have to deal with on on some level
4: so yes to your point absolutely it's very universal um no matter where you are but uh does uh, seem to point that 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 fear and screaming is particular yes they're there yes it's universal but it turns out that not everybody has all of the muscles in the face these 19 muscles mm-hmm. because so, yeah it, there's
1: a lot going on in your face when you scream it's it's like we're talking about with uh, with any good scream queen it's not just an exercise in audio it's a also a facial event
4: Right, and there are 19 muscles in in your face. There, these major muscles that are controlling and contorting these muscles. Mm-hmm. Two thirds of the population actually have these muscles. So, wow. uh, it it and what this is uh, driving at is that some people are much better at expressing things like fear, but particularly with the risorius muscle, because huh. that is what controls. Um, this look of extreme fear on your face.
1: Wow! So it, you you hear about people having a really expressive face, but mm-hmm. you often tend to think of that in terms of just behavior and mindset, and not so much as like actual anatomy. But uh, but it sounds like there could conceivably be a little girl out there who's like, when I grow up, I'm going to be a scream queen, right? And but she does not have all the muscles <laughs> to really pull it off. I mean, yeah. maybe she could go she could go Gatica on it and just like really try extra hard, but she's still going to have to go up against those scream queens that have uh, just naturally occurring extra muscles. And who knows? What if people start evolving to, uh, I mean, it's an evolutionary advantage to be a better scream queen.
4: Well, actually, there is an evolutionary advantage to yes. it. Yes. Because yeah. when you are making those expressions, it's actually um, it's pumping more blood to your brain, mm-hmm. uh, particularly if, if it's something like fear and screaming, What's happening is that your field of vision actually widens. Your smell becomes... Your eyes are getting huge. Yeah, you're taking in more data. You're Mm -hmm. so much more alert. Blood Mm
1: -hmm. is flowing to your face. Your, Mm -hmm. your, Your mouth is opening.
4: Your nose is taking in more smells or more acutely taking them in, which is the opposite of disgust. Because right. think about disgust.
1: Disgust is like something smells weird. Let's cut this off because yeah. it might kill me if I breathe it in.
4: Look, your field of vision yeah. narrows a little bit because you're you're honing in on something. I don't want it to get
1: in my eyes. Don't want it to... might blind me.
4: Exactly, yeah. and and your nose is is sort of shutting off the smell. Yeah. So yeah, but, it definitely... but when
1: you're and when you're actually having this fear face and you're screaming though, you're it's like I need to see what's happening. I need mm-hmm. to smell what's happening, and I need to be pumped and ready because I'm about to have to duke it out with uh, with Jason Voorhees or something.
4: Yeah, so it's not just this uh, alarm to, to a fellow man, like, "Hey, there's something wrong." It is an expression to your body to say, "Let's get things let's going here. Let's yeah. let's start to really assess this situation, become as alert as possible."
1: And you get a taste of this if you just, uh, like, a, if you've ever like just screamed for the sake of it, but also uh, like in yoga class, we'll do this lion face thing, you know, mm-hmm. uh, um, you know, where you. Uh, you, you, you
4: scrunch, you, up, you your scrunch face, up your face and you like stick out, your tongue. stick out your
1: tongue roll your eyes back in your head and just uh-huh. make this scary go, ridiculous <sighs> face yeah, yeah and stick, it, it yeah. does it, it pumps you up it works um in the same way that you know they talk about you know smiling mm-hmm. can actually make you feel happier just the physical act of smiling because our expressions are not just a they're they're not just a result of the way we feel as we do you know it's the mind body connection mm-hmm. all these things that are, are are connected to one another so if you you turn one, you're going to turn the other.
4: You know, and it was Darwin who actually s- sussed this out long ago because mm-hmm. he thought what is the ev- evolutionary advantage of smiling or frowning or fear? Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you remember these studies that he helped to conduct, but they actually manipulated people's uh, muscles in their faces, which looked very painful. Uh-huh. And and then they did some studies to see whether or not it was corresponding with how they felt. So people <laughs> whose muscles uh, that were being manipulated by machines to, to rise in a smiling formation became happier, huh. even though it probably hurt. They have these little metal prongs sticking in them.
1: Well, see, they should—that should be a treatment method. You know, they they strap this happiness device on you uh, and force you to. Happiness device. Yeah, in Invader Zim, uh, the the Nickelodeon cartoon, the really twisted, uh, awesome uh, cartoon, they would have this thing where it's like this big screw with a smiley face on it, and like screws into the side of your skull, and just makes you happy all the time. Huh. Similar principle. I'm well I'm said. thinking
4: that with all this happiness out there in in the in the marketplace that this could be something. Yeah. Yeah. This this might fly on QVC. All right. Um, should we listen to one more iconic scream before we go to break?
1: Yes. Uh, this is a little something called the uh, Wilhelm scream. You, if you watch movies, you have heard this before. It's a stock sound effect that was first used in 1951 for the film Distant Drums. And it has since been used in hundreds of films like Star Wars, Indiana Jones, mainstream stuff, y- you know, very professional blockbuster stuff. Also, lots of people like film buffs just like to throw it into their own like little indie pictures as well or just, you know, um, amateur pictures. Let's have a listen.
4: So that reminds me of Vertigo. Yeah? Yeah. The movie Vertigo, which I haven't seen in a very long time. Maybe a shorter version of it.
1: Huh. Yeah, it's just a very guttural, uh, you know, it's just uh,
4: the falling screen. Yeah.
1: And it's a male scream, so uh, I'm glad that we got to f- feature two male screams on here. I don't know what the baby is; the baby might be male or female. Who knows? But, uh, but everyone screams at one point or another. Let's take a quick break, and when we come back, uh, we'll discuss a little more why we scream and what we're uh, where it's coming from.
2: And primal scream therapy. Yes. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms. And producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.
3: This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History class.
0: During Dell Tech Fest, score game-changing innovations with limited-time deals on select next-gen Alienware gaming tech. New dimensions await with advanced gaming systems like the Alienware M18 laptop powered by an Intel Core i9 processor featuring awe-inspiring visuals, liquid cooling, three-dimensional audio with Dolby Atmos, and impressive overclocking potential
5: All right, we're back.
1: And uh, when we were researching this, you uh, sent me a study called Screaming and Wailing in Dementia Patients mm-hmm. by Bernard Grulux. Grulux?
4: Sounds good.
1: It's, not, it's got an X in it at the end. I, unless that's a typo. I know, I think there's actually an X. But um, but uh, it, was, it was it's a very interesting, perhaps a little specialized um, study, but it did have an, a really interesting chart uh, that was part of his theoretical framework for why dementia patients are, are screaming and like where is it coming from? And uh, at the center of this chart, he has this circle that is uh, that represents unsatisfied needs. And uh, bubbles come out of this from every direction. Uh, screaming satisfies the you have screaming that satif- satisfies the need. Mm-hmm. There's screaming that communicates the need. There's screaming that is due to frustration and negative effects. There's um, screaming that's d- due to environmental, physical, psychological uh, conditions. Uh, due to the current condition and due to habits and personality. And then all those things that rise out of unsatisfied needs can conceivably feed back into these other causes. So you end up with this kind of feedback loop of of screaming and screaming stimuli, which I I found really interesting.
4: Yeah, and what I liked about that study as well is it talks about uh, dementia and and this idea that the person's world has become so small Mm -hmm. that... um, that there is this level of frustration and this this level um, to need to communicate and, and try to get your bearings that that results in a ton of screaming really. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, that's not necessarily the case for everyone. The, the general public doesn't have dementia, but certainly everybody has been in that uh, situation before where they felt isolated or uh, they they've lost their way a bit.
1: Yeah, or just or just crushed in by all these forces. You know, often imaginary forces or or social job related forces that are just pressing you in, and you until you scream.
4: Right, and if you were that dementia patient and you had all those different conditions, uh, then you would enter into that feedback loop. Uh, thankfully, most of us aren't in that feedback loop, and we can get ourselves out of this screaming. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was—it made me think about something called primal scream therapy.
1: Okay, and this is where you would. This is like a 1970s thing, right?
4: Uh yeah it has its beginnings in the 1970s Dr. Janov mm-hmm. uh it is probably better known as um sort of a subplot of John Lennon's life because oh, yeah. he underwent primal scream therapy which and it became very popular actually uh Steve Jobs underwent it and then he thought it was just hooey and he quit oh. doing it. Uh, but it's appealing to people for a number of reasons. Uh, one is because it... A,
1: it, license to scream.
4: License to scream yep. with abandon mm-hmm. on the floor in, in a fetal position. <laughs> <laughs> Who lets you do that these days? No one. Um, but it's this idea that you can go into your past and all these painful memories and, and um, embody this scream, this frustration, this anger that you feel about mm-hmm. your past. And then you can correct that with a new, what they call, enactment. So um, it, it is a lot about release and catharsis.
1: Taking something that's been pressed in and putting it out, right?
4: Yeah, so it's this neurotic tension that you're releasing uh, through this re-experiencing. And then the idea is to create a new scene to replace the neurotic one. Hmm. And it's a very creative process as well, which is probably why it appealed to John Lennon and, yeah. and to a number of other people. Now, is it... Uh, a straight-up therapy that has been studied and has come out with glowing reviews? No, not necessarily. The, the data on it is a little bit sketchy. But at the end of it, there, there, it's a very interesting premises, yeah, or and, premise. And there
1: are people who claim that it helps them. There are people yeah.
4: who claim that it helps, but other people will say they're, they've been primed, hmm. which you could also say there are other types of um, therapy in which priming is used. Yeah,
1: and I mean, I'm kind of of the mindset, hey, if... If you have to prime me to to sort of fix me, then let's let's do it. Yeah, okay, I was
4: thinking uh, about it in terms of the placebo effect. Yeah,
1: I'm kind of like, oh, I'll, I'm willing to take a placebo if it if I can fool myself into feeling better. Then that's kind of what life is about, right?
4: Yeah, indeed. The only problem though I have with it is that apparently um, Harry Nilsson, a, a good friend of John Lennon's oh, yeah, at that time, musician, mm-hmm. musician a beautiful voice. Oh, yeah. ruined his voice by I think a weekend of he and John oh. Lennon like kind of doing some primal scream therapy.
1: I, I can't remember who it is. There was one. There was some actor, and maybe our listeners can fill me in on this. But there was an actor who was like early in his career. He was trying out for some parts, and you know he had a very normal voice. And then he just went out one weekend on the advice of like his agent and just screamed himself hoarse uh, prior to uh, uh, an audition. And then he got the part. But it kind of his voice became that garbled, permanently. permanently scarred, uh, kind of garbly voice. Uh, but that's, that ended up being his moneymaker. So I don't remember who it was. Uh, I don't think it's one of the more famous gravelly-voiced actors, but I could be wrong.
2: BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.
3: This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History class
0: During Dell TechFest, score game-changing innovations with limited-time deals on select next-gen Alienware gaming tech. New dimensions await with advanced gaming systems like the Alienware M18 laptop powered by an Intel Core i9 processor featuring awe-inspiring visuals, liquid cooling, three-dimensional audio with Dolby Atmos, and impressive overclocking potential.
4: Well, here's the thing. If you don't feel like going to a Primal Scream Therapist mm-hmm. uh, and you want to do this uh, in private or even in public, there is something, there is a device for you. Oh, is there? Yes. We've mentioned it before, but I thought that it was probably worth it to mention again, Fab Labs. Mm-hmm. Uh, this came out from um, the uh, th- this idea that there's you know open software that you can create anything. You could design it and... and feed it into a computer, and mm-hmm. lo and behold, here here it is. Um, it is called the Scream Buddy, and it came out of this idea, this Fab Labs. And it looks like an infant carrier, and you can scream directly into it, and nobody can hear you. That's the brilliant thing oh, wow. about it. Right? So you can be in the middle of a busy street and just scream into your Scream Buddy. Nobody knows. But you can record it, and if later you felt like just releasing your your scream on everybody, you could.
1: Yeah, or put it up on SoundCloud, share it with, uh, with the world.
4: Well, there you go. Huh. You can you can uh, voice your frustration without any social repercussions.
1: So, how about animals? Do animals scream?
4: Yeah, they do. Of course, and, and we can hear their little barbaric yaps all over the place. Um, but there is one ultrasonic primate that in existence that we know of.
1: Oh, wow. uh, so we can't hear its screams.
4: Right, who screams we cannot hear. It's the five-inch high primate called the Tarsieres, I believe. It's indigenous mm-hmm. to the Philippines. It's the
1: little guy with the big eyes.
4: Yes, yeah. yes. Actually, the eyes are itself, like, make up most of the body because mm-hmm. it is so small. Um, it has the ability to produce high-pitched screams unheard by human ears. And before researchers stuck 35 of these guys in front of an ultrasound detector, and um, they and realized that they were actually emitting these ultrasonic secret yells. Before that, they assumed that they were just yawning. Huh. Um, but it's really cool because this allows their predators, like snakes and uh, birds just to go along their business without realizing that these, these little primates are giving each other a heads-up, warning calls, um, presumably like giving them the birds' uh, coordinates, I don't know. But so far, again, this is the only primate that we know that has this ability. It's kind of like a superpower.
1: Yeah. And, of course, it should come as no surprise to anybody that uh, animal screams of distress have an effect on us. If you uh, if you have a pet, you know this. Uh, Cats in particular seem oh, really yeah. good at uh, you know they're 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 rather mimicking uh, uh, human distress. They're no they're manipulating you with the sounds uh, of, of babies crying. You yes, know? you're right. Those
4: vocalizations yeah. are maddening
1: sometimes. Yeah, so they're just yeah they're maddening. It's just like oh you just made the worst noise in the world. And okay, I'll feed you. <laughs> it's because you're hungry. Yeah. Um, and uh, and they found that uh, that various other distress calls uh, from animals, when used in film soundtracks, they're able to manipulate responses out of us on a very primal level. Mm-hmm. So, which is why you'll you know people will throw in like weird tiger noises into uh, into scenes. And uh, and there's a I mean there's a whole like anytime someone's doing sound design for like a monster or something, uh, you know they're inevitably taking all sorts of of natural sounds and then warping them and. and and weaving them together into a, a new manipulative noise.
4: Yeah, it's very dissentering. Uh, yeah, and apparently as a result, snakes, lions, hippos, birds, you name it, are being used for film soundtracks. Oh. So keep an ear out.
1: Yeah. Cool. Well, uh, well, that's uh, screaming for you. Uh, the next time you're, you just have to belt out a scream or you're watching a, a horror movie with a, a lot of screaming in it or you're uh, dealing with a child who is just screaming um, his or her head off, uh, take some of this knowledge with you, and maybe you'll be able to, to understand a little more what's what's happening in them and what's happening in you as a listener. All right, let's call over the robot. We have uh, two bits of listener mail here today. Uh, the first one is from Ken in uh, St. Catharines, Ontario, Canada. Ken writes in and says, Hi, Julian Robert. I enjoyed your podcast on camouflage. My wife and I have come to the realization that our two boys are colorblind. We were recently told that my wife's uncle, who would have been the same, uh, gene, who would have had the same gene for colorblindness that my boys have, put his disability to good use. Apparently, when he was serving in World War II, they used him to spot camouflaged equipment. The story is that people with colorblindness can see through camouflage better than people with regular vision. I'm not sure if this is true or not, but I think it is an interesting story. Keep up the great work. Kim.
4: That would make sense, right? Because for the general public, it's designed to see, colors.
1: Yeah, you're not going to be manipulated by color if you are blind to color, and therefore you can conceivably uh, see through some of the uh, illusions uh, the camouflage perpetrates. Mm-hmm. So, so that's interesting. Uh, then we also heard from Amy. Amy writes in, and this was a very interesting one, uh, uh, the subject being plane crash survival. Uh, we recently did the podcast on surviving a plane crash. Uh, she says, uh, hey all, I just started listening to your podcast, love it. And I was especially driven to the topic of surviving plane crashes. When I was 17, I survived the crash of the United Airlines DC-8, December of 78, in Portland, Oregon. Two things that occurred to me right off the bat are, one, the plane crashes that get the most publicity are the most spectacular. And the ones with many survivors aren't as titillating, which is true. I mean, mm-hmm. some you know, it's a small crash or it's more of a runway-related incident, the media is not going to based on it. Which are much
4: more common, yeah. right.
1: She says, this exploits and intensifies the fear of flying so many people have already have. Although I have a better reason uh, than most to fear flying, some phobias aren't going to go away with simple rationalization. I know that driving is insanely more dangerous than flying, but I haven't flown since 1985, and at this stage, I think it would take an act of God to get me on a plane. I never scoff at anyone who's afraid to fly, and I usually don't mention my experience to them either. Just my musings, Amy.
4: Wow. Okay, so, I mean, that's... Yeah, from someone who's actually been in it.
1: Yeah, so that w- that was awesome. Uh, just some, you know, some really fascinating, honest commentary yeah. on uh, the the reality of surviving a plane crash, and also just what how does, how does that affect your your perception and your and of your your fear going forward? So
4: yeah. yeah, and we did. We talked really about how it is an irrational fear, mm-hmm. but when the rubber hits the road, and you know you've been in it, it's, it's just a much different um, idea yeah
1: well cool if you want to uh, interact with us if you want to talk to us if you want to ask us questions or share something uh, do reach out to us you can find us on on Facebook where we are Stuff to Blow Your Mind and if you venture onto Twitter our handle is the BlowTheMind uh, so le- let us know if you have any particular thoughts on screaming your own experience with screaming your experience with screaming toddlers uh, sc- screaming in movies uh, whatever let us know we'd love to hear from you
4: uh, how to solve uh, screaming in space, right?
1: Oh, yeah, because no one can hear you there. Right? No, yeah. what are we
4: going to do about that? Yeah. All right, uh, you can also drop us a line at blowthemind@discovery.com.
3: At For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com.
5: Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club.
3: Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call.
5: I'm your host, Anthony Delasandra.
1: Billie's vocals, it was automatic art.
0: You know, I had to, like, choose a
4: more challenging route than just, like, da-da-da-da, you know what I'm saying? Like, it could have been, like, easier. And a lot of people have asked me, like,